team. Hey, I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in several different passages today. Uh, you can pull the outline out of your worship guide. You can pull it up online. Um, while you're doing that, several years ago, uh, I traded in or sold my old Dodge uh, pickup truck, and I bought a Honda Civic. And I liked being a truck guy, you know. I mean, V8, stick shift, you know, I liked being a truck guy. But I got to tell you, I really, really like my little Honda Civic. It's just a base model Honda Civic, but it's so new compared to the truck. It's like going from pushing a wheelbarrow to driving a space shuttle. It's just, and, and the thing I really, really like about my little car is that it gets great gas mileage. Um, it's, you know, they advertise like 30 in the city and 40 on the highway. So I made it a goal to beat the advertised uh, miles per gallon. And I'm averaging like the first year, averaging like 45 miles to the gallon. Uh, I just loved it. And I wanted to keep on getting great gas mileage. So I know there's certain things I can do to, to ensure that I keep getting good gas mileage. I can drive slower. I don't always, but I can. Uh, I can drive slower. I can take off slower. I can keep the uh, RPMs low, keep the tire pressure where it needs to be. All of those are proven techniques, proven strategies uh, that, that I can employ to help me get better gas mileage. But I also need some way to, to measure that. Well, in my truck, I would have to wait till, you know, once a week to fill up. And I would, you know, how many gallons of gas did I get versus how many miles did I drive? And I divide that, and that's when I would figure out, okay, I got 15 or 16 or maybe 17 miles to the gallon. That was, you know, once a week feedback. But with my car, there's info on the dash that gives me instant feedback. You know, there's the, the, the little miles per gallon that just updates consistently, you know, immediately. There's a little light bar on the dash that changes colors, you know. If I'm not driving in a gas-saving mode, my son calls it save the polar bear uh, mode, you know. If I'm not driving in gas-saving mode, it's white, but if it's, uh, if I'm eco-friendly and driving slow and, and, and all that, it, it goes to green and even bright green if I'm really saving gas. And so I'm always trying to keep it in the bright green. And so, uh, you know, I can look around me, and if other cars are passing me, then I'm probably driving slow, you know, and everybody's getting irritated, but I'm saving gas. You know, these are all ways that I can get instant feedback to measure whether or not my strategy is working. Well, we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about vision and, and who God wants us to be over the past few weeks, and we've looked at the key components of mission and values and strategy just really quickly, mission is where we're headed. And where are we headed? We're headed towards pointing people to Jesus. Say that with me. Pointing people to Jesus. That's our mission. And we have values that help keep us on track, that guide us of biblical authority and prayer, uh, excellence, generosity, relationships. And then last week, we talked about our strategy. Strategy is how we accomplish the mission of pointing people to Jesus. And our strategy is loving God, loving people, making disciples. And so you even got those cool little bookmarks to keep all of that in front of you. And if you're the kind of person who likes to jump ahead, you probably already flipped over to the one we haven't talked about, which is measures. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about measures. And measures answers the question of when do we know we're succeeding at living out the strategy? When do we know that we're succeeding at living out the strategy, at getting it right? If our strategy is loving God, loving people, making disciples, so that we can be a church who accomplishes the mission of pointing people to Jesus, then when do we know 
that we're getting it right. Well, just like my car gives me instant feedback, gives me instant information uh, that, that allows me that I can measure to see whether or not I'm succeeding at saving my strategy of saving gas, we have measures that we can look at where, uh, to see whether or not we're really succeeding at our strategy of loving God and loving people and making disciples. So today we're going to look at four areas that uh, we want to regularly inspect and evaluate. And as you do that, by looking at these areas and asking ourselves the questions that go along with them, it gives us the chance to, to do some self-evaluation and when necessary to do some adjustment so that we really can be people who are pointing people to Jesus. So uh, following along with us, point number one is this. These are four areas that, that we want to evaluate from time to time. Um, and the first one is my walk with God. Okay, the first area we want to evaluate, the first area we want to get some measurement in is my walk with God. Do I spend time with God daily? How often? In Bible study, prayer, and worship. You know, David was one of Israel's greatest kings. Uh, Solomon, I'm reading about him right now. He was definitely the wisest and wealthiest. But when you look at Israel's kings, David was probably the greatest, if not one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. And he understood the importance of spending time with God, you know, and, and spending time with God in his word, letting God's word get into his heart and, and to transform his life so that he could live for God and so that he could worship God by the way he honored him with his life. And he expresses this uh, in many of the Psalms. Uh, Psalm chapter 19 is probably one of the ones where he expresses it most clearly about the, uh, the importance and the value of getting into God's word. And here's just a section of it, verse 57 to 64. He says, Lord, you are mine. Can we just pause right there? I hope you can say that. I hope you can say today, Lord, you are mine, that you have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus. That is the most important thing that could happen in your life today. But David says, Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words with all my heart. I want your blessings. Be merciful as you promised. I pondered the direction of my life, and I turned to follow your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. I rise at midnight to thank you for your just regulations. I am a friend to anyone who fears you, anyone who obeys your commandments. Oh, Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. David understood that loving God means spending time with God, spending time with God in his word so that God, God's word could spend time in his heart. Let me ask, are we spending time in God's word, learning about God, learning about who he is and what he expects from us? Are we spending time in prayer talking to God and asking him, Lord, help me to understand your word. How many of you ever read something in scripture and you go back and like, I don't even remember what I just read. I don't even understand what I just read. I just sort of did it because Pastor Ashley says I should do it every day. Listen, that's where prayer comes in as you say, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, your word tells us that the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does is he helps us to understand what we're reading. So don't just blast through a whole chapter and, and miss out on it. Don't blast through a whole book of the Bible and miss out on it. Pause and say, Lord, 
Lord, I need you to help me understand what I'm reading right now. Spend time in God's Word. Spend time in prayer. Are we spending time worshiping God? Not just singing songs, although that's good. Worship is how you live your life, how you honor Him and bring Him glory with your life. Are we letting the Word of God get into our heads, get into our hearts, and show up in our hands? That's what ought to be happening. That's what ought to be happening in our walk with God. And it happens as we spend time daily with God in his word, in prayer, and in worship. John Bunyan, the English author and preacher from the 1600s, he's known best for his book, Pilgrim's Progress, said, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. Let me say that again so you hear it. He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. If you want to know why you're having a lousy day, go back and look and see if you had a lousy quiet time or any quiet time at all. It may be the reason, may not be, but I guarantee if you're not spending time with God in the morning, it's going to show up in your life. It's going to show up in your day. Spend time with God every single day. That's the first measurement. Thank you, brother. Number two, the second thing we want to look at is my relationships with other believers. We want to look at our walk with God, and we also want to look at our relationships with other believers. Do I regularly spend time in meaningful and accountable relationships with other believers? You know, with God, we want to spend time with him every day. With other believers, that may not be practical. You know, that may not be doable. For some of y'all, it may not even be desirable. You know, I can barely put up with some of y'all on Sunday, let alone every single day. Is that how you may feel about other people? I'm not sure. But we ought to be spending time with one another on a regular basis. Now, how often is regular? Well, you're obviously here, so kudos to you. But for some people, regular is like Christmas and Easter. You know, that's it. If that's your idea of regular, you might want to bump it up a little bit. Because Scripture encourages us to meet together regularly. And shows us there's some really good things that come out of it. Look at Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. The instruction here, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us, neglect, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return, Christ's return, is drawing near. In this passage, the writer of Hebrews gives us three things that we can do. One, it says to motivate one another. It says to look for ways to motivate one another. Others translations say to spur one another on. If you've ever ridden a horse and you spur it on, you give it a kick in the ribs, that horse is going to giddy up, right? And so that's what we need to do. We need to spur one another on. We need to motivate each other. We need to say, let's giddy up, buttercup, and go, you know? Let's encourage one another or motivate one another. Uh, the second is to hold tight to our hope in Jesus. You know, as we meet together, as we gather together, and this is good, by the way, but another great place to do it is our connect group ministry, and another great way to do another great opportunity is through our discipleship ministry, but we want to we hold tight to our hope. Ecclesiastes, it's not in there, but Ecclesiastes 4.12 tells us that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. How many of y'all have heard a preacher use that at a wedding? That's a very common wedding passage, but it applies to the, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it says basically, look, one person by themselves is easily defeated. Two can stand up for a while, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Meaning that we are better when we are together. We are stronger when we have each other. We can hold tight to our hope 
when we rely on one another. And then the third thing it tells us, it says motivate each other, hold tight to our hope, and then it says encourage one another. You know, encouraging one another is what we need. For a lot of us, for a lot of us, we are more critical of ourselves than, we, than anybody else. We look at the things in our lives and we see the failures. We see the mistakes. We see the shortcomings. But then we look at someone else's life and we're just like, oh man, look how they've got it all together. Look how they're excelling. Look how they're succeeding. And, and we even may praise them for that. And we may tell them all the things that they're doing great and how, what we admire. And meanwhile, what they're thinking about is what? All the things they're getting wrong. All the things where they're blowing it. All the things where they're coming up short. And so that's why we need one another. To motivate one another. To hold on to hope. And to encourage one another. You need to be around other believers to remind you of how they see God at work in you. Now, this passage, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it's just one, just one of about 35, almost 40 different passages in the New Testament that we call the one another passages. And they encourage us, they encourage us to spend time with each other uh, and, to, and to spend time in relationships, in meaningful and accountable relationships. You know, for me, one of the places I get that, I spend time with other pastors on a regular basis. At least every other week, I'm in a, a group with other pastors, either praying for one another or spending time. We're pastors. We love to eat, so we'll get together for breakfast, you know. Uh, but, but even there, we encourage and check in on each other. And so I hope you have something like that. What's your relationship with other believers like? A third area that we can, uh, that we can measure, that we need to do a, a routine checkup on, is my stewardship of resources. My stewardship of resources. And the question there, and it's on your bookmark, is do I give a little bit of my time, talent, and treasure? Is that what it says? No. Do I give begrudgingly of my time, talent, and treasure? No. What's it say? Do I give generously, thank you, generously of my time, talent, and treasure? I love Romans 12.1. Paul writes this, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I love this passage because basically what God's saying here is every day, every day we are to present ourselves to him. We are to lay everything on the altar and say, God, it is yours. We're, get, we're to give everything over in our lives to God every single day. And then tomorrow, do it all over again. Say, God, everything I have is yours. Three areas we identify here. Do I give generously my time, talent, and treasure? You know, first is time. When we, when we think of time, let's be honest, a lot of us, at least I do, and probably you too, a lot of us think of time of like, how much time do I have in the day? You know, if somebody asks me, can you do this? I'm instantly thinking of what's going on in my day, what's going on in my week, do I have time to commit to this? It might be better it might be better for us to think of how much time do I have on this earth? How much time has God allotted me and what am I going to do with it? You know, you might be given 70 or 80 years, some as many as 90 or more, some as few as 50 or 60. Whether it's a lot or a little, the Bible says that our life on earth is like a vapor. We are here one moment and gone the next. So use the time that God has given you to glorify him and to serve others and to spread the gospel. What am I doing with the time God has given me? Not just the hours in the day, but this life that he has given me. Do I give of myself generously? Second is talent. What are you good at? What are you skilled at? 
How has God shaped you? How can he use you? You know, if you've got something you can do, use it generously for the kingdom of God. It, it might be singing. It might be wiping noses uh, over in kid zone. It might be standing at the door handing out uh, worship guides. It may be standing out in the courtyard greeting and, 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 and saying hey to people and welcoming them, helping them find where they need to go. It might be teaching. You know, it could be any number of things, but whatever it is that God has gifted you in, has, has given you the talent to do, the ability to do, use that and use that generously for the kingdom. And then finally, treasure. What are you doing with the resources that God's given you, not just your money, not just your giving, not just your offering, but everything. God has blessed us to be a blessing. And we have to ask ourselves, are we stewarding these resources with an open hand or with a clenched fist? Am I laying everything on the altar? Are we living as living sacrifices? Hudson Taylor, he is a missionary, a pioneer missionary to China back in the 1800s. And he, uh, he came home to England at one time uh, due to an illness. And while he was there, he got to speak at a lot of different churches and to share with them about the mission work in China and the great need. He was invited by one church to come and speak, and he said he would do so on one condition, that they advertised that there would be no offering taken, no collection taken. He said, you have to put this on the posters, you have to put this on the flyers. They called them bills back then, but he said, you have to advertise that there is no offering to be taken. And so he went to the church, and he spoke about the great lostness in China. He shared about the need for more missionaries to be sent out into the mission field to spread the gospel among the great and unreached land of China. At the end, the person who invited him and had organized the event was so moved by the need that he stood up at the end, and, and he said, and even though we agreed not to take an offering, he said he felt that a great many people will be distressed if they cannot be given the opportunity to contribute something to this great need. And he, he, he urged Hudson to allow them to take an offering. And Hudson po politely responded, that's what I was afraid of. That people, if given the opportunity to give a few shillings or a few pounds, might miss God's call on their life to actually give themselves. That what God may be doing, God may be saying, yes, you know, give this offering, give this gift, give this monetary gift, but God might be speaking to them to call them to join the mission field or even for them to give up their sons and daughters to go and join the mission field. Guys, God wants you. He wants your time. He wants your talent. He wants your treasure. But he wants you. Every single bit of you. Beth Moore said the problem with living sacrifices is we keep crawling off the altar. Moving on to number four, my willingness to witness. My walk with God, my relationship with other believers, my stewardship of resources, and then number four, my willingness to witness. Do I pray for and look for opportunities to share the gospel? Matthew 9 35 to 38, says Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. You know, Jesus saw the people. He saw their condition. He saw their hopelessness and helplessness. He saw their need, and he had compassion. His heart broke for them. And so then he challenged his disciples to go work. What's he say to do? Pray. Pray. Pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send people out. Ask God to put it on people's hearts to to be sent out. Ask God to raise up more people to be sent out into the harvest field. In other words, the key to helping people move from, from being sheep without a shepherd to having Jesus as their shepherd is people being sent out and being willing to be a witness, being sent out by God, people willing to be sent out by him to share the gospel. A couple of weeks ago, I asked permission to share this. A couple of weeks ago, Weston and Judy Knipe were um, in the ER. Wait, they were in the ER waiting room waiting for Judy to be seen. She was dealing with extremely high blood pressure and ongoing uh, excruciating back pain. And from time to time, she would get up and, and walk around the ER to relieve the pain. They were in there, I think, for seven hours waiting to be seen. During that time, as she was making laps through the waiting room, she noticed an older lady who had been sitting by herself the whole time. Judy struck up a conversation with the lady, and she learned that she was all alone, that she didn't have any family or friends in town or nearby to come and sit with her. And so Judy began to share with her about how much she loved and valued her church family how much her church family meant to her. And she asked if the lady went to church anywhere. And she learned that it had been a long time since she had gone. And so Judy told her about USA, our senior adult ministry. She invited her to come to church. She invited her to come to one of our Sunday morning connect groups. In the midst of excruciating pain and and waiting to be seen for her own need, this is an incredible example of somebody who was looking for opportunities to point people to Jesus, somebody who was willing to be a witness. She made sure to say, I asked this morning, can I share this? And she said, yes, but I was only doing what God told me to do, so make sure to give him all the glory. Let me ask you, how willing are you to be used by God to be a witness, to point people to Jesus? In just a little bit, we're going to get ready and we're going to take communion. We're going to take Lord's Supper. If you didn't grab one on the way in when we have this next song in just a moment. There's some communion cups on the tables at the back. But let me ask you, as you, as you look over these four areas, do any of them stand out to you as areas where, where maybe you need some work? How's your walk with God? How's your relationship with other believers? How are you doing at stewarding the resources God has entrusted with you? And are you willing to be a witness? Maybe you look at these things and, and, and without being prideful or boastful at all, you look and you say, you know what, I'm doing pretty good in these areas. As we take communion today, would you use that as a time to just sort of re-up with Jesus? To say, Lord, I'm doing good in these areas, but it's only because of you that I'm doing good in these areas. Keep me doing good in these areas. Help me not to fall away in any of them. Maybe as you look at these, you realize, you know what, there's, there's room for me to grow in, in one or two or more areas. Would you just confess that to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for where I've stumbled. I'm sorry for where I've been complacent or comfortable. Lord, would you help me 
grow in this or this or this area. Maybe the first thing you need to do before you can start pointing people to Jesus is your life needs to be pointed to Jesus. Maybe the first thing that needs to happen in your life today is you need to place your faith in Jesus. You need to receive him as your Lord and Savior by confessing your sins and believing in him, believing that he died on the cross in your place to save you and that all you have to do to be saved is to call on him. You can do that this morning. Will you join with me as we pray, as the worship team comes up and we get ready to take communion in just a moment. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that every time we meet with you, every time we get into your word, every time uh, your Holy Spirit points us to what our next step is, whether it is just asking you for greater strength to continue walking with you, whether it's confessing where we have fallen short and our need to step up, or maybe it's to place our faith in Jesus for the very first time. Whatever that decision is, God, I pray that you would lay it upon people's hearts and they would do that. Right now, I pray that you would prepare us for receiving communion together, Father. That all those who are Christ followers would, would get things right between you and others. That they would offer and seek forgiveness wherever they need to. That they would commit to live lives that honor you. And you would get our hearts ready to reaffirm the body and blood of Christ, his sacrifice, his atonement, and how he challenges us to go and live for him. Be with us during this next song as we just respond to you however you lead. In Christ's name we pray.